This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about sort of a gross but an important topic, vomiting. Now, I see vomiting cases all the time. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after these messages so we can learn more about this number one emergency that comes into the ER. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about vomiting, and I know it sounds like a weird topic to talk about, but it's really important that pet owners know when they need to go into the ER vet if their dog or their cat is vomiting. Now, most of us wouldn't bring our dog or cat into the ER just for one episode of vomiting because cats vomit all the time, right? Well, if you notice that your dog or your cat is attempting to retch, but nothing comes out, especially in dogs, that's a life-threatening emergency because sometimes that can actually represent a gastric dilatation volvulus or what we commonly call bloat. We've talked about that before in a previous episode of ER Vet. So check out that episode because large breed dog owners, especially all you Great Dane and standard poodle owners out there, need to know about the importance of bloat. A couple other signs of vomiting include if your dog or cat are vomiting more than really four to six times. That's my general cutoff. And if you notice it's all happening within a few hours or even 12 to 24 hours, that's a sign you need to get to a veterinarian or an emergency veterinarian right away. The reason why is because sometimes we can see vomiting from really benign causes, and sometimes we can see it from really bad causes like end-stage organ failure or even surgical emergencies. So how do we approach it and what do we do? Well, First of all, nobody likes to vomit and your dog and cat don't like it either. So again, if it's more than a few episodes of vomiting, please call your veterinarian or call us at the ER vet so we can determine whether or not your pet needs to be seen. 
In terms of working up a pet that presents to the animal ER for vomiting, it typically involves doing x-rays and blood work. And so what I wanted to talk about today are some hints that can help you work with your veterinarian or that emergency veterinarian on what to do, especially if you have financial limitations. We'll talk through all the options that we have, and hopefully that will help you become a more educated advocate for your pet. So the first thing I'm going to start with with any pet that comes in for vomiting is to do a thorough physical exam. I want to make sure there's no ulcers in the mouth. I want to make sure there's nothing stuck in the throat. I want to make sure that there's nothing painful in the belly on abdominal palpation. And so you may actually notice your emergency veterinarian or your veterinarian palpating your pet's stomach or abdomen for a long time. And this is quite a difficult skill to do. I mean, how many of you guys have actually had your medical doctor palpate your abdomen? So it's a skill set that veterinarians are really good at doing because we do it all the time, but it can be quite subtle. So what we're trying to feel for is a painful abdomen or a distended loop of intestine or something stuck in the stomach. And that can be quite difficult depending on how obese your pet may be, how deep chested your dog is, or how tense your dog or cat's abdomen is. Depending on what we find in physical exam, my next two recommendations are generally x-rays and blood work. X-rays basically let us look at the gas pattern and the size of the organs in the abdomen. And this is really important. And most veterinarians throughout the world have the ability to do x-rays. So it's readily available at your vet clinic and through the animal ER. When we do x-rays, we typically do two to three x-rays. And so we'll put your dog or cat on their back and on both the right and left side to get x-rays. And the reason why is because we're trying to look at the amount of gas in the stomach, the intestines, and make sure that there's no foreign body stuck in there. Our next step, depending on what x-rays show, will be blood work. When we do blood work, it's generally what we call a CBC or complete blood count and a chemistry panel. I personally think the chemistry panel is the most important because that lets us look at salt balance like sodium and potassium, protein levels, kidney and liver function, and blood sugar. Depending on what we find on that, we can rule out whether or not your pet has kidney injury or liver failure that's causing the vomiting. So it helps us rule out any underlying metabolic causes for vomiting. Now, depending on how dehydrated your pet is or depending on how painful their abdomen is, sometimes we'll try to medically manage these on an outpatient basis. What exactly does that mean? Well, if you have financial limitations or if your dog or cat look pretty good, sometimes we can actually manage them out of the hospital in your house. So we'll give a large amount of fluids under the skin and we'll give a really strong anti-vomiting medication. My favorite one is a drug called Meropitant or Serenia. And it's so strong, it actually works for 24 hours with just one injection. Now, we only choose to do outpatient therapy if the x-rays and the blood work look pretty normal. But what do we do if the x-rays are abnormal? If the x-rays are abnormal, in other words, there's abnormal gas in the stomach or in the intestines, or I see something stuck in the intestines like a foreign body, then the next step is to hospitalize your dog or cat in the hospital. What do we do when your pet is hospitalized? Well, typically, if your pet's really dehydrated or really sick or really painful in the belly, we generally recommend putting an IV catheter in 
so we can start IV fluids and really aggressively flushing your pet system with IV fluids. That's going to help hydrate them and make them feel much, much better. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to give that same exact anti-vomiting medication to help minimize any discomfort to your pet, but more importantly, to make sure that your pet doesn't have any side effects from the vomiting. And that could include salt or electrolyte abnormalities, discomfort, or even rare complications like aspiration pneumonia when we inhale that vomit into the lung. That can be quite life-threatening. The next thing we'll do is we may repeat x-rays or even do an abdominal ultrasound a couple hours later, maybe six, 12 hours later, because we wanna see if that gas pattern is moving. If that gas pattern moves, sometimes we can medically manage these patients, which mean they may need hospitalization, they may need IV fluids, but they may not need surgery. Unfortunately, hospitalization for IV fluids can run several hundred, up to a thousand or two, depending on where you live. Now, if your dog or cat is doing much better, six to 12 hours after IV fluids, now we'll actually sometimes do an abdominal ultrasound. What exactly is an ultrasound? Now that's completely different from x-rays. An ultrasound doesn't hurt your dog or cat at all. It's non-painful, but we do have to shave the belly. It's just like getting a sonogram if you're pregnant. And it lets us look at the inside architecture of all the organs. And that's the most definitive way of being able to confirm whether or not your dog or cat has something stuck in the intestines or stomach or not. Now, I'm really lucky at Animal Emergency and Referral Center of Minnesota, where I have two board-certified veterinary radiologists who are experts at doing ultrasound. I will warn pet owners, it's a bit expensive for ultrasound. It's about $400 to $500, but I always recommend doing it if we're not 100% positive if we see a foreign body or not in there. In other words, to me, it's a good step before we even consider surgery, because we never want to do surgery unless we're 100% positive that your dog or cat actually need to go to surgery. So it's a good way of helping confirm whether or not your dog or cat have a foreign body stuck in their belly or stuck in their intestines or stomach. Let's take a short break and we'll continue back with the really important topic of when to take your dog to surgery if they have a foreign body right after these messages from our sponsors. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back. Welcome back to ER Vet Pet Life Radio. We're talking about the topic of vomiting. I know it sounds kind of gross, but really important because that's the number one reason why I see dogs and cats coming into the ER in the middle of the night. We've talked before about 
how we're going to work up our dogs and cats if they come in for vomiting. Now I wanted to talk about foreign bodies. What exactly is a foreign body? It's just a fancy way that we veterinarians talk about something that's stuck in your dog or cat's intestinal system. I've seen all different types of foreign bodies, from baby pacifiers to dozens of hair bands that are chewed on by cats to tinsel or cassette tape to bones, tennis balls, golf balls, to cloth, underwear. I've seen dogs and cats eat a ton of things that they shouldn't eat. Unfortunately, when a dog or cat eats a foreign body, this can be a life-threatening emergency. And the reason why is because sometimes that foreign material will get stuck in the stomach or intestines and actually block the intestines from being able to absorb the electrolytes or any kind of food and it can cause really severe dehydration. In severe cases, if that foreign body's been stuck in the stomach or intestines for days at a time, it can actually cause necrosis of the intestines and it can actually rupture. And that results in a life-threatening septic peritonitis when bacteria leaks out and leaks into the abdomen. We always want to make sure that doesn't happen because it's much more expensive and the prognosis is much, much worse for your dog or cat if they develop that life-threatening bacterial infection in their abdomen. The most dangerous foreign bodies in cats are anything that's stringy. And I know that sounds weird, but I always hate when people hang up tinsel because tinsel is actually one of the most dangerous linear foreign bodies that cats get stuck in their intestines. Why is this so dangerous? Because with anything really stringy, it oftentimes gets stuck and wraps around the base of your cat's tongue or gets stuck in the back part of their stomach, which is called the pylorus. And unfortunately, while some of that string passes down the intestinal tract, each time your cat's stomach contracts or their intestines contract, it can actually saw through the intestines, resulting in really severe intestinal injury. So for you cat owners, absolutely nothing stringy in the house. No ribbon, no yarn, no tinsel. Even those helium balloons with that long piece of string on them, that can be really dangerous. So we never want cats to be able to get into that. If you have a cat toy that has a long, thick piece of string, again, make sure your cat never swallows it whole. And if for some reason your cat swallows the string, please don't pull it, whether or not it's coming out of the mouth or the other end. Let your veterinarian do it because that can actually make it worse. What about dogs? One of the most dangerous foreign bodies I see during the holidays is corn on the cob. And the reason why is corn on the cob actually fits the intestines perfectly, it completely blocks it. And unfortunately, corn on the cob does not show up well on x-ray. Now, it's important to note that not everything shows up on x-ray. Only really hard, dense things like dense plastic or bone, but things like glass and really small pieces of plastic, they don't show up. So just be aware, we don't always see foreign bodies on x-ray. It's really going to depend on the density. And unfortunately, corn on the cob is one of those that does not show up well. So make sure to always keep corn on the cob out of reach. If we do see a foreign body stuck on the x-ray or seen on ultrasound, then the next step is to take your dog or cat to surgery once they're hydrated and once they're more stable. And surgery typically involves inspecting all the organs in the stomach and intestines and surgically opening up the stomach or intestines to remove that foreign body. 
In severe cases, I've had situations where pets have needed to have several feet of intestines taken out, and that's very, very dangerous. So when in doubt, if you notice your dog or cat is vomiting, you want to get to your vet or your emergency vet or specialist sooner than later, because we can help diagnose that problem. Let's end today's show with a couple of tips on how we can prevent a foreign body ingestion by your dog or cat. Now, for you Labrador owners, you want to make sure, since labs seem to love to eat and they're chow hounds, you want to make sure to pet-proof your house appropriately. So for any dog or cat owner, or especially a puppy or kitten owner, make sure to pet-proof. And I always tell new pet owners, crawl on the floor just at the same level as your pet, and you'll see all these different other types of things that dogs and cats can get into. My first little tip is make sure that you have your garbage can covered, or better yet, in a closet where your dog or cat can't knock it over and get into it. And that's because there's lots of poisons in the garbage. There could be something really fatty, and that can cause pancreatitis or inflammation of the pancreas. There could be corn on the cob or certain things that can get stuck in your dog or cat's intestines. And there can be certain things like leftover bones, which are actually a choking hazard for your dog or cat. The next thing you can do is, especially if you have a puppy, is learn to crate train your dog appropriately. A lot of people think, "Ah, I don't want to crate train my dog because it seems really cruel. When in actuality, if you crate train your dog correctly, they're actually going to purposely go in there to sleep at night. They're going to view it as their den. And my short little clues are to make sure to feed your dog in the crate and make sure to always give them their treats in the crate. Always leave the door open too so they can go in and out. Make sure there's a cozy blanket in there where they can be comfortable. And again, in the right training, most dogs will view a crate as their den. Great way of keeping your dog safe when you're not at home to supervise them. Another great way of pet proofing the house, make sure your family members, your friends, whenever they come to the house, don't give your dog or cat treats or food without talking to you because sometimes they don't know. They may not have had pets before, so they may give a rib bone and that could actually get stuck in your pet's intestines. So again, a couple easy ways of pet proofing and hopefully preventing any kind of foreign body. The last thing, clean up after yourself. Don't leave tempting things like socks and underwear on the floor. Keep them in a covered closet or a covered hamper. And that's because dogs oftentimes like to chew on that stuff too. Hopefully by doing that, you'll be able to avoid an expensive visit to the ER and more importantly, an invasive surgery in case your dog or cat has something stuck in their intestines. When in doubt, if your pet is vomiting, make sure to consult your veterinarian or your emergency veterinarian. And if they're doing it more than a few times or starting to feel lethargic, they don't want to eat, that's a sign you need to get x-rays and blood work done at your veterinarian. Hopefully those tips have helped you. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we wanted to give a huge shout out and thank you to Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.